The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Welcome to the Big Footy podcast. This is Rick Neuenhoven and it's broadcast on the Port Fan Radio Network, sponsored by New Vision. And also, wish I was. it was sponsored by... Married at First Sight, for all us Married at First Sight fans. And what a big episode we've got tonight, reviewing the uh, the showdown and everything about Port Adelaide. And we have our special guest on tonight, the big man, Macca's back. I'm thinking of Slim Shady, Macca. Mate, good to be back. How good is this? It's very, very good. I'm yeah, a little bit cautious. This, buddy. I'm a bit cautious on your audio, but we'll see. I'm sure the punters will tell us whether it's good. I hope I, I hope I don't have to ad lib that uh, introduction again. That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> that's true. No, look, uh, I'm sure they'll let us know if it's uh, if it's no good, mate. Awesome. Paddy's ewing and he's not complaining, so that's a good start. Woo! So, so how are you? It's been a while. We're into episode five, and um, you haven't made a presence as of yet. So. Uh, you know, what's the life of Macca been for this pre-season? Have you been getting on the uh, port bandwagon? You've been busy with work and children. How's it all going? Oh, all of the above, really. Look, uh, very busy with work. I've moved back to Adelaide now, so living uh, living closer to the footy, which is great. Closer to work too, which is wonderful. And just itching for the season to start, mate. I can't wait to see round one and what they're going to dish up. And uh, I think we're in for a huge season this year. Yes, it's it's definitely going to be exciting. What about Soto's? Is it going to be a huge season at Soto's? Mate, we've had a massive summer, a massive, massive summer, and look, hopefully it continues on through the winter too. Did you, on a port theme, did you get many port players or coaches come through the uh, fish and chip shop this hot, blustery summer? Uh, look, Kenny's a regular. He comes in uh, all the time, so that's great. And uh, the odd one here or there comes in too. Um, but that's about it. Right. Well, Kenny seems to be slimming down, though, to uh, to be getting the uh, fish and chips. Oh, mate, it must be the keto fish and chips that we do, mate. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, not sure, buddy. But, uh, yeah, we don't get too many players in. It's probably a good thing. Uh, I'd be a bit concerned if we saw uh, quite a lot of players in, in the shop, to be honest, uh, gorging on our wonderful fish and chips. But there we go. And uh, and our uh, co-host Porsche is in the chat room, so I'm assuming Porsche, Porsche. We, we are back on next week for round one, I would imagine. So uh, I'm sure she'll contribute there. So anyway, we've got a big show tonight uh, full of great Port content. Um, what I wanted to start with, we might as well get straight to the, uh, the JLT game. Um, very controversial, as it was a, as I'm just typing in something, so excuse me. Um, it was a showdown game pre-season, and Port and Crows weren't the only showdown game for the pre-season, but uh, some people liked the concept, some people didn't. It was hosted at a packed Alberton Oval on a nice hot 35 degree day, where with Port coming from a 26-point halftime deficit to win by 26 points, 16 to 98 to 11-6-72, and the reason, obviously, I accentuated 16-2 is because... Is that a typo, right. mate? Is that Two a typo? points. Usually we kick 16-98, so uh, 
What a wonderful, what a wonderful uh, kicking achievement that was. Sixteen goals, two. It is amazing. Oh, I'm glad we've still... done that in the preseason, and that's uh, you know we've got our best kicking performance out of the way early. That's wonderful. <laughs> is it the uh, is it the fact that you know it's preseason, not as much pressure, and so we're just pop shotting everywhere, um, or is it the Jack Watts factor? He came over with the uh, with the reputation of being a gun set shot kick for goal, and he was a gun. Mm. Look, we actually, you know, for anybody that was at the, uh, uh, what was it called? The uh, the members convention uh, a few weeks back, yeah, we would know that uh, we want to play through the corridor and that's, you know, they, they've been working tirelessly on our efficiency throughout the year, uh, throughout the preseason. And look, this is hopefully a sign of things to come because look, we did play through the corridor quite a bit. We did work the ball into... Um, much better scoring positions than we usually do. And uh, I think the proof of that was on the scoreboard. So seeing you were at the member convention and I wasn't, uh, was there some noticeable takeaways for you, um, stoppages or players or, or anything that sort of correlated with the convention, which you're willing to share without breaching the trust and confidentiality that the club had empowered our supporters with? Riley Bonner has nailed it. You look at how Riley Bonner played on the weekend, that's how we want to play footy. Yeah. Is he a more composed Jasper Pittard for his age? Oh, certainly for his age. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Because he, he reminds me of a young Jasper, but doesn't have the same uh, brain fart moments as Jasper. Well, he still has a couple. Um, but look, he's, uh, he's improved out of sight the last sort of 12 months or so. And... Uh, yeah, look, anyone that listened to the uh, the draft podcast a few years ago knows that he was my favourite player in that draft. I was absolutely stoked to get him, and I reckon this year we'll we'll see why. Um, you know, I think he's in for a massive season, and he should really play. He should be a starting player in that side from now on. Do you think Jasper's hamstring injury um, sort of saved the selectors a bit of a problem? Possibly. Look, we're both, you know, considering we want to play 11 halfback flankers, I don't know, maybe they're going to be, uh, you know, maybe it's going to go the other way. Maybe they're going to wonder what the hell are they going to do now with uh, Brody and Pittard out. Um, you know, where are we going to pull two more halfback flankers from, Rick? That's the question. Yeah, that's true. Well, we, Bring back have, a plethora, we have a plethora of them, so... Um... Yeah, I don't. That doesn't concern me, to be honest. I'm sure there's plenty of people that could rotate through the halfback line if we need to. But um, I guess there was another. Um, there was another noticeable halfback flanker in uh, or back pocket player, if we want to argue the toss. But uh, Darcy Byrne Jones, thirty disposals on the ground. Yeah, look, he also ran a bit through the middle. <clears throat> he did have 30 touches. He had 10 contested possessions. He got six clearances as well. So he did a lot of good work. Um, but, yeah, I, I was shocked to see that he actually got 30 touches because uh, watching the game, it didn't look like he had that much of the ball. Mm. He, I, as I said to you before we started, I found it very, very difficult to... Um... Uh, to really notice him, to be honest. So when I saw 30 mm. disposals, I was shocked. Um, but yeah, it's 
Yeah, I guess you know Mug getting thirty disposals even in a preseason game. So, and I, I did notice he was running through the ball, and maybe it was that uh, that new haircut of his that made the difference. So, uh, Portia just made a uh, an interesting comment. I'd like your takeaway on this. Um, she said, right, "Reckon that was more a win for the fitness team than the skills guys." Uh, I thought our skills in the first half were average, and we were playing some strange chippy chippy game. Um, second half more direct skills look better but I don't know it's hard to really you know because it's only a pre-season game you don't know what they're messing with um, the the coaches and the fitnesses and the fitness levels you know so were the uh, crows holding something back in the hot weather Um, Mm. did we run more or less midfield rotations with our key midfielders so I for me personally I think it's really hard to sort of make that sort of grand statement that Porsche likes to make all the time (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure if it was a, a win for the fitness guys or not. Look, looking at the scoreboard, you would think absolutely right. Um, I think, look, the first half, it wasn't overly pretty. I thought we weren't as bad as the scoreboard suggested at halftime. Um, I think we just got absolutely pummeled out of the middle. And look, that actually continued through the second half as well. We didn't win a lot of the ball through the middle for the whole game. Uh, what we saw in the second half, though, was... a uh, um, a much better performance from our defensive group. They got their game going. We really started to turn over the ball uh, a lot more, which was great. Um, and we really saw a lot of uh, scoring attacks sort of coming from that half-back line, uh, which is what we want to see. Well, we really um, we were getting exposed once again with their extra player floating around the back of the pack, weren't we? And I guess you would have been pretty ropeable with Jonas in the, uh, in the beginning of the game with the... Uh, you know, with the amount of distance he was giving Fogarty, or do you not blame Jonas? And you think it was up the field that was the problem? Oh, all of the above. Look, Jonas uh, had a stinker first quarter. There's no doubt about that. Um, but where was the support? You know, we want to play team defence. Where was the support there? Where was the third man up? You know, they were nowhere to be seen. And, you know, it allowed Darcy Fogarty um, the chance to have uh, a real standout performance uh, through that first half. He looked good, um, though, didn't he? Not that we want to talk about Crows players, but um, he looks like a good pick. Yeah, look, I didn't rate him at all last year, and um, you know that that was worlds above anything that he showed last year by a long, long way. So um, good on him, but uh, yeah, enough of that. <laughs> but I mean, it was concerning that a first, you know, a first game or first year player. Uh, against a, a very strong and experienced defence, could make him make him look mediocre. Um, you know, I mean, you could understand a season. Well, it could have been anyone, really. It could have been anyone. It could have been Mitch McGovern. It could have been Josh Jenkins that had a similar performance. It just so happened that Fogarty was sort of playing out of the square a bit, and um, you know, he was the one that was lucky enough to get on the end of some really nice passes and uh, some pretty uh, shit house Port Adelaide defending. As I said, you know, where was the third man up where we want to play this team defence football? Um, and we sort of, uh, you know, hung Tommy Jonas out to dry a little bit through that first half, I thought. Um, so, and it w- wasn't just him either, like, uh, you know, quite a few other. Like, Cleary had a stinker in the first half as well. And Jasper Pittard looked like he was on another planet with what he was doing. I'm not sure what he was doing out there. But, um, yeah, he uh, he wasn't overly impressive either. Yeah, it I was with you there. I really thought the uh, the experienced defenders down there, even though Clure is a very young, experienced defender, um, yeah, I thought they yeah, they didn't seem to gel completely. And and watching the game, I, w- I was sort of like, 
you know, when Jasper pulled his hammy, I thought, well, that's probably saving us a problem selection-wise because, yeah, I, out of all of them, looking at all the performances, I thought Jasper was probably the one at risk of not getting a game um, for some reason. I don't know what's what's wrong with him at the moment, if he's still carrying an injury or whatever, but he doesn't seem to be uh, showing that trademark run that Bonner's now showing uh, that Jasper yeah. used to have. And I don't know if it's the extra bulk that he's put on or it's the age or... You know, a bit of nerves from injury, but yeah, that's a that's a big concern. But I thought Dougal Howard was uh, fantastic, even in the first half. Oh, look, the big Dougs was a standout the whole game, really. He was the one that was sort of uh, keeping us in the game down back uh, through the first half, and he just tore Josh Jenkins to shreds, which uh, probably isn't that big a feat these days. But um, look, he had a standout performance. 18 touches, 10 marks, uh, kicked a goal as well in the in the second half. So. Look, Dukes is in for a huge year. He has to be in that first 18. There, there's no doubt about that now, I think. And, uh, you know, he just, he just suits um, that position well. He's super quick. He's got great reach. Um, he's a great spoiler. He can um, intercept Mark. Uh, he can run off with the ball. He's got nice skills. He's still so raw as well. You know, the sky's the limit for Dukes. He's got good pace too for a 199-centimetre player. Uh, his pace is uh, amazing. He's lightning quick. He is a, a super quick athlete. Um, he's a pure athlete down there, and that's exactly what we've been screaming out for for you know a, a very very long time. Even you know probably before the sort of Chaplin slash Carlisle era down there. You know we've really wanted that sort of monster, big, tall, athletic, quick guy down there, and we finally got one. Are you talking about? Me after my half marathon run, or are you talking about Dougal <laughs> Howard? Uh, definitely Dukes, mate. I've seen you run. <laughs> I was I was uh, like a fat man chasing a chip at the end of that run. I can tell you that right now. I was uh, I was blowing, but um, mate, twenty one kilos. That's uh, twenty one kilometers. I should say that's uh, that's a mean feat. It, it was mean, and it was pretty mean and nasty on my knees too. Um, <laughs> Porsche asked a good question. I had a couple of fantasy. Uh, uh, playing friends asked me about this guy, um, which is quite interesting, a bit off the JLT game, but sort of is still indirectly related. Billy Frampton, mm. he went out to um, to pasture early last year to get surgery on the assumption that you know he was going to be uh, a strong consideration for 2018 early form of playing, and we haven't seen him. I guess where has that where is that leaving Big Bad Billy? Who knows. That's the that's the answer to the question. Who knows? Who knows where he is? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I really like the way that Billy Frampton plays, but oh, you, you've got to have huge concerns about whether he can actually stand up to AFL footy. If he can't stand up to SANFL footy at the moment without getting injured every second week, you know, he's got no chance. Mm. All right, if we cast our eye to the forwards... We had Big Dixon giving away free kicks left, right, and centre, which I'm sure you'll want to comment on shortly. Uh, we had Jack Watts popping goals from everywhere after Robert Walls said he's a failure and he's going to be out of the game in two years. Uh, we had Justin Westhoff running around everywhere, getting nearly 30 disposals himself. And then we had uh, Tom, Todd Marshall, Marshall uh, showing his blistering speed, even though he didn't get uh, much of the ball, which is pretty understandable with those three key forwards probably higher in the pecking order. Uh, but the future is looking very promising. And I thought even Chad Wingard and obviously the great Robbie Gray, 
don't know if we put him in the midfield or forward discussion, but um, yeah, they look pretty deep there. Even Sam Gray, I've got to <coughs> got to say it, looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah, look, Sammy was up and down. Um, you know, he still made some stupid decisions at times, but you know, Chad Wingard only played the half and looked really, really good. Um, but look, the star was Jack Watts, wasn't he? Uh, mm. You know, he was kicking him from everywhere. And, uh, God, you, you just hope that he can bring that sort of performance into the real thing. Um, because somebody else that's told that can have that sort of performance to help out someone like Charlie Dixon whilst he's going away, giving away 15 free kicks a game, um, is uh, going to be very, very handy indeed. Well, I guess, um, I mean, Melbourne had... Paul Hogan, but Paul Hogan. Paul Hogan. Paul Hogan. <laughs> yeah, well, he, you know, they like to crack some jokes every now and again. You know what? He, what's his name? Jesse Hogan. Jesse um, Hogan. I'm surprised I remembered his name actually. But um, yeah, I guess maybe they didn't have the same physical forward presence um, last year to what Port maybe has this year with the tall power. So it does allow um, you know Watts to even be that third tall, which allows him to duck duck away and sort of get at the back and and get those loose man opportunities. But um, well, all you can do is take your opportunities that are presented. And he was presented with very, very um, good opportunities, and he took them. And good luck to him. And, and you know, I hope he does it a lot, because that's we need Jack Watts probably kicking 30 to 40 goals this year, I'd imagine. Oh, absolutely. That would be very, very handy indeed. And um, not only that, but it's allowed West off a lot more um, space to sort of roam around a bit more as well. Um, which we've been sort of hoping for for a long time now. You know, he had he had a wonderful day out too. Um, Paul Jack Watts, you know, the thing that I was really impressed with was that all his goals were kind of a little bit different. Uh, somewhere on his right foot, somewhere on his left foot, somewhere from a lead, somewhere at ground level, somewhere from a big contested mark. Uh, so he did it all on the weekend. So that was great. Yeah. What about the small forwards? Were you happy with them? Oh. Absolutely. As I said, you know, Sammy Gray kicked a couple goals. Chad Wingard kicked a couple too. He was really, really good. Um, you know, Robbie Gray uh, was uh, was strong um, with what he did. He kicked two goals as well. Uh, I really liked his game. Um, the, I guess the one that uh, probably has underwhelmed a little bit so far would be Stephen Motlop. I thought he showed more promising signs on the weekend, though. He, he was getting into the play more, more running and chasing. Um, mm. So, yeah, even though he wasn't as influential as, you know, like a 25-stat sort of game, uh, I thought he was showing signs. But saying that, I don't think he's that consistent player that's going to get 25 week in, week out, surely. Look, with the, uh, with the ball winners that we've got, someone like Steve Motlop should be able to get that amount of the footy. And look, he did get 20 touches on the weekend. Uh, but I think the impact that he had with those 20 touches was pretty minimal. Um, the thing that concerns me is um, his lack of pace at the moment. Uh, he just seems to be laboring a fair bit. Um, but look, I've, I've got faith that he'll come good when it starts. And uh, look, it might, might take him a few weeks to really get going. But uh, when it matters, I think he's really going to shine. Yeah. So um, what about the, uh, the midfield? Michael Voss, especially up to halftime, was getting some scathing criticism on the big footy boards. I don't know about Facebook, but... Uh, as usual. As usual. And I obviously was not involved in that whatsoever. 
and <laughs> I, w- I would never entertain such a discussion. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. And, uh, you know, but we had, uh, we had uh, Polek on one wing. I'm trying to think of his name. I've got a mental blank. I want to call him Banner. <laughs> Barry. Carl Amon. No, Barry. Oh, no. Barry the halfback oh, Barry. flanker playing yeah. on the wing. Ryder yeah. in the ruck, which I, I thought he was a little bit distant for a fair chunk of the game. And um, yeah, and then we had a, a bit of a mixture of a midfield with Rockcliffe out, Boak out, Sandpower Pepper out, and they seem to be blocking and tagging Ebert quite a bit early on. How did you how did you assess the performance of the midfield? Was it a tale of two halves, or or do you think even the second half um, wasn't as great as what it could be? Yeah, as I said earlier, I thought the midfield had a dirty day, and that was across both halves. Like, I thought we were marginally better through the second half. Uh, but we still couldn't get the clearances. We still couldn't win the ball through the middle. Um, and as I said, it was a, kind of a half-back line, which was really steadying the ship and, and uh, launching our scoring attacks. So, um, yeah, I, I thought uh, midfield was completely unimpressive on the weekend, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, look, Rockcliffe and Bloke, Bloke, Bloke were two big losses. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll spit it out eventually. Ashley's sitting on TV in bikinis. It's very distracting. Mm. Um, yeah, but Rockcliffe and Boak are, are two good midfielders that aren't there. Um, you know, so, and Sam Power Pepper, another clearance player. Um, so, But we didn't have Rockcliffe last year as an example, so I guess we can't really yeah. factor him in. I just thought Paddy Ryder was a little bit distant on the weekend. And this pre-season, he, he's sort of just going through the motions without actually you know giving two cents, which... I guess it is a pre-season game, but uh, I'd like to see a little bit, uh, probably a little bit more enthusiasm from Paddy. Look, again, he was one of only two players on the whole field that didn't take a mark. And uh, for someone that's his size and strength, he should be taking marks a lot more than what he does. Yeah. Um, look, maybe it's just uh, he's just taking some time to get going. You never know. And I'm really disappointed. Like In our chat room on Spreaker... You know, it's a bit of action going on, but I thought the uh, the, po- the Portress boys had action-packed chat last week, so I think our, our team on the chat room tonight can really uh, ramp it up a little bit. Um, someone's thrown out there, uh, should uh, uh, should we be... What about McKenzie? Not talking about McKenzie. How did you find him? Really impressive. Really, really impressive, I thought. Um, yeah, I thought him coming on in the second half was... Uh, uh, was one of the real sort of keys of our defence sort of um, picking up again. You know, he sort of came on and kind of went to Fogarty a bit, I think, and really shut him down and uh, really liked his ball use out of the back line as well. Uh, he's not the quickest player going around, but uh, I think um, he's going to be a reliable player if he's called upon throughout the year. Wow. And we're just, we've been flamed now. Buddy, uh, Craig Jones is saying that's because they've got a better show on Wednesday night. <laughs> Uh, I'll, just, I'll just highlight the download statistics. Probably. That out of the out of the speaker um, the speaker performance out of the sixty thousand downloads, we've had forty one thousand hour show of the downloads, and in addition to that, out of the fifty uh, fifty no that's play sorry, and out of the downloads of fifty thousand, we've had over twenty seven thousand downloads just on speaker. Amazing, amazing effort. But it's seriously good. Look, I, love I would the support say for all the shows. Look, I would say I'm not a host of this show anymore, so it's no wonder that it's gone downhill. So Yeah, that's true. I mean, everyone's jumped <laughs> off. No, no support for me because there's no Macca. Um, but uh, there's also a bit of chat on the uh, 
going on in the chat rooms about uh, Homsch. Where's Homsch? Um, you know, is Porsche upset that Homsch is on the outer, um, or is she happy with it? But um, is he yeah, on the what, outer? Uh, I don't know if he's on the outer. I just think he's dropped down the pecking order because of last year's injury and form. I guess we don't really know until round one, do we? Like, uh, didn't he play last week against um, against who he played last week? Yeah, he against did West play Coast? last. He did play against West Coast. I, <clears> I didn't think he set the world on fire, and I guess um, you know he's going to come in at probably what the expense of uh, what Howard. That's not going to happen. Craig's saying he played in the Friday night trial. How'd he go, Craig? Um, I guess out of the twenty-six players that took the field. Who are you thinking might drop out of this team? Aiden Johnson didn't get a Guernsey at all by the looks of it, so I'd imagine he's out. Pittard's out. So there's two. So we've got yeah, to well, find... Yeah, if we had 26 off that list, you would say that Mackenzie will come out, Atley will come out, Marshall will come out, and Pittard will come out, I think. And then you've probably got a couple more because you've got to fit uh, Boak and Sammy Powell-Pepper and... Um, Rockcliffe. Rockcliffe into the side as well. So you can probably say goodbye to Jake Need. I think Dom Barry... Robbie we'll Gray probably, will, we'll, we'll probably pick first round. That's true. We'll probably pick one out of Amon or Barry, I reckon, uh, for, for round one. Uh, so look, there's plenty of players that will drop out of that side for sure. Here's a controversial one. Joe Antley, three kicks, 12 handballs. Didn't do much else. Is he the new Brendan Archie? Oh... Don't know. Don't know. He's still young. It's only his second year. Um, I thought he was pretty good. That that piece of play on the members' wing where he um, where he barreled through three or four players and, and got the ball to Ollie Wines, I think it was, uh, was wonderful. Uh, I think he's a real tough nut. And I think I, I think the, the annoying thing from his point of view, I would say, is that uh, with Rockliffe there now, I think he's, he might find it a little bit tough to, to get a game this year at times. Um, but that should also be uh, some good motivation for him as well because, look, if you're good enough, you're going to get a game. We still need um, second-string players to come in and play through the midfield and someone that's a, a natural-born clearance winner, tough as nails, uh, really creative handball, someone like that coming off the bench to give guys like Boak and, and Rockliffe a, a break and, and Wines as well. Uh, will be uh, will be pretty good throughout the year, I think. Well, I just look at Atley, and he, he's a, a high handball to kick sort of player. Tries to play the inside contested game. Has a good handball. Looks like a less at, less athletic uh, Brendan Archie to me. But anyway, I uh, I won't uh, flog that. Oh, I, don't th- I don't think they're overly comparable. Um, I still think he's a lot like Josh Carr. There's a bit of Brett James about him at the moment, as opposed to Roger. Um, but look, I know that he can do a lot on the outside. He gets a lot of the ball on the outside. He's pretty quick. Um, he just needs to find a way at AFL level uh, to get some more outside ball. Mm. So uh, Craig Jones has set out Johnson, Pittard, Robbie Gray, Atley, Need, and S. Gray. I don't know. I don't know if we can afford. Can we Sammy's carry, starting. Can we carry Marshall, Watts, Hoff? Dixon all in the same side, plus Howard, plus Ryder. That's a lot of tall players. It's a lot of tall players, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'd be pretty happy doing that. I don't think Marshall will start round one. We know that the coaching staff love him. 
Um, they reckon he's got a massive future. Uh, but I think he's just going to have to bide his time just a little bit more. He's not going to be ready round one. Um, he'll be back uh, a little bit later on. I, I want to see him really dominate the SNFL a little bit, kick you know two, three, four goals a week for a while, um, which is something that he hasn't been able to do in his few games at AFL level so far. Is He's just not hitting the scoreboard enough. Um, so I really want to see him do that before he comes back into the side. I'd really like um, probably Sam Gray to stay in, probably at the expense of McKenzie as well, if we go with Craig's listing of the outs here, which most I agree with, but I don't know if we needed McKenzie. Well, in Sammy Gray's a lock. Let, let's be serious now. The coaching staff loves Sammy. He's an absolute lock. <laughs> he's yeah. not going to be out of that, unless he's, he gets injured, he's not going to be out of that side round one. There's no way. Yeah, I that, think so. That, that, would be, that would be, for me, just about the biggest uh, selection shock if he's not named round one. I think uh, I think Nicholas Teal's even willing to almost uh, you know give the club his firstborn for um, Sammy Gray <laughs> to stay in the side. He, he, there's so much man love going on there for that. So anyway, is there anything else you wanted to talk about from the game? Well, you, you didn't really mention Vossi. Were you happy with Voss? With Voss? Well, no, because the midfield stunk. So... Probably not, but is, is he the um, coach under pressure? I don't. I don't think it was really his. Well, I don't think any of the coaches are under pressure really at this point of, of the season. But um, look, with, with the ball winners that we had out, uh, as, and the ball winners that they had in, the Crows that is, um, it's no wonder that they got uh, they got beaten through the midfield. And look, I think that's a really good sign, don't you? The fact that we played against you know a, probably a top two midfield outfit with pretty much their starting midfield out there and we were able to win the game by four goals um, with our midfield stinking. I think that's a great sign. Mm. And I'd probably punt aim on from the team to start with as well. Yeah, as I said, it's probably between him and Barry at this point. Um, I think Amon's been okay this preseason. I think Barry's been a bit more electric. Um, I think Amon would be more of a chance to impact on in round one as opposed to Barry. But uh, I'd love to see Don Barry get a go. That'd be uh, that'd be wonderful so early in the season. And look, I've really enjoyed watching him play so far this preseason. Um, and look, Jakey Need as well, I thought he was really good on the weekend. I thought he was absolutely terrible in uh, in WA last week. But uh, his, his half of footy this week I thought was excellent. Yeah, he played his role for the team, absolutely. All right, we're halfway through the show, so we'll move on. Otherwise, we'll be here to midnight. I know you haven't spoken for six weeks, so you've probably got a lot to say. Uh, I've missed Hall those uh, dulcet tones, mate. I've missed them. The dulcet tones, that's right. Um, the Hall of Fame we had last week. The Hall of Fame. great uh, event. It was apparently very well run. Supporters loved it. Clubs happy with it. The video was great. Paul Northeast, eight-time Premiership player, loved his story. I was always a bit of a favourite of Paul, I must admit. Treadray went in. Um, who else? Now I'm forgetting off, off the top of my head. We uh, Chocko Paul... and Bob Clayton. We might as well go through them one by one, mate. Paulie Northeast, what a gun. Um, he is just the pure Port Adelaide footballer, wasn't he? What did you think about his final remark about the, um, you know, when we lost to West Coast that he saw the guy getting put in the paddy wagon and basically saying to the players, you know, you've got to take some responsibility for that. You guys win, 
that guy ain't in the back of the cop car. That's how passionate we are. Look, at the end of the day, you still got to control your own actions and your and behave. But uh, you know, it's just the bit typical, of an odd one. It's a, well, it's a bit of the typical <laughs> bit of an odd comment. Uh, attitude, though, isn't it? You know, you you got to do right by the fans, and uh, if you don't, you, you know all about it. And uh, yeah, but he, God, he's, he's such a tough bugger, isn't he? He was a wonderful footballer to watch because it, you know, he. Absolutely wasn't pretty. He had a terrible kicking style, but God, it was effective. Like he, he really missed targets, um, and he was just so tough. He really got beaten one on one. He always put his head over the ball. He always caught big hits, uh, but you just couldn't get him down. Like he's just got the hardest head on earth, I reckon that guy. And um, you know, eight premierships. He was an absolute stalwart through that season, uh, through that uh, premiership run through the nineties. And um, yeah, a well-deserved entry into the Hall of Fame for sure. He was one of my favourites back then. And that's where I guess modern football hasn't got maybe the same romance of yesteryear. You know, because Paul Northeast, I guess now that sort of player probably wouldn't even get an opportunity. Um, mm. You know, and, uh, I mean, yeah, oh, I'd hate to have seen him in a schoolyard fight. I reckon, oh. I reckon he would have been lethal. What about probably. the great man, Warren Treadray? I mean, he's so great. Oh, um, and we've spoken so glowingly over the years about him. There's probably not much else to say other than what a legend and he deserves to be in there. Well, I used to watch a lot of replays. Back uh, when I was younger, I used to watch a lot of games over and over again. Um, and I haven't really done that since I've had kids and wives and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, time's a bit uh, thin these days. But I'll tell you what, I really bloody miss watching Trejo play footy. Um, just going back and looking at looking at his highlights, looking at his, his leading ability, his marking ability. Mm. You know, his ability below his knees was better than any other key forward I can remember seeing play the game of AFL football, to be honest. He was just an absolute superstar. Um, and look, he was an absolute lock to get in. He's one of the best players that's ever played for Port Adelaide, ever. Gun. Yeah. Amazing gun. I mean, the amount of games he he just won off his own, I was going to say boot, but I'll say body because he was such a physical player. You know, yeah. some of the, you know, those early 2000 games where, you know, especially Melbourne and Hawthorne would come to footy park and he would just absolutely destroy them. Um, you know, they, uh, oh yeah, he was a great player and fully deserved of his uh, Hall of Fame. What about Choco? Um, you know, did, uh, you know, the people were talking about we need to make peace and this is the start and, you know, I mean, Choco had a good run with Port Adelaide. It's not like we dumped him after two years. You know, we sacked a you know a ten-time premiership coach basically to give him the top gig because he was going to move. Um, early two thousands, he had a fantastic side, great opportunity, and I you know as a coach, I think he underperformed a little bit, and then he got the ultimate victory, which was very deserved. Uh, and then we uh, you know then he he did well in two thousand and seven and got us back to a grand final, which we won't talk about anymore. But you know there was. I think his career at Port Adelaide, he had a lot of opportunity and he probably could have done better with hindsight, I think. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think there should be any reason really to be bitter from my perspective. 
What are your thoughts? I don't, I don't think any bitter from his point of view, you mean? Yeah. Or from the supporters? No, from his point of view. People, I guess people think there's a well, bit of bad blood there between Choco and the club for how there was the separation in the end. Well, there's, there's no doubt there is on his part. I think everybody at the club loves Choco. I think the, the vast majority of Port supporters love Choco and love what he did for the club. You know, he was a wonderful player, a premiership player across a couple of different eras um, at the sort of start and the end of his career. Um, and then he came back as coach and, you know, continued the the Williams legacy and, and winning our one and only AFL Premiership to date. Um, he'll go down in history as an absolute legend of our football club and, uh, and rightfully so. And uh, I, I think we all have, I think we all got a little bit over the sort of arrogance and, stubbornness of Choco when he was coaching at the end there. And I think there's no doubt that he had to go at that point. I think there's no doubt he shouldn't have been given another contract um, at the end there. But, you know, whether he can sort of sit back and analytically look at the situation and go, you know, maybe I, I had run my race, that's that's up to him. If he's got bad blood against the club, then so be it. We can't help that. So how, um, what would you rate Choco's coaching career at Port Adelaide? What was it, 1999 through to... 99 through to, what, 2010? 10? 10? Well, it, was, it was just win. the ultimate roller coaster, wasn't it? You know, grand final loss. Probably a uh, couple two, of very big three, missed opportunities. Four underperforming final series. Missed the finals well, I, a few times. I'd give him, well, I'd give him a six I've got a love hate. I've I've got a love hate relationship with Choco the coach. I, I adored Choco the player, but I, I've no doubt got a love hate relationship with Choco the coach because, you know, I, I was happy he got the job at the time, and I thought, yeah, let, let's let's back him in. I was a bit sad that Jack had gone, but. Um, you know, he, he came good and he and he built a really, really good side, which just did not get the job done. Is that all his fault? Probably not. Does he cop the blame for it? Probably. Um, he's the coach. He's the one that's got to motivate. I think um, certainly 2003, we made some shocking decisions in finals, which, which really cost us after a season that we really should have won the flag. But... We did get the job done eventually. We got we got the flag in 04, and uh, he will always be remembered for that. And, and I'm certainly stoked that he was the coach that coached us to that flag. I think he deserved to be the coach that coached us our first AFL flag. Um, and look, I, I think... Uh, so what would you give him out of 10? I don't know, probably a 7. Yeah, I'd give him 6, six or a 7. Half. We're getting accused of not being poor fans here by Russell Lieber, Akka God. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just taking us to one grand, winning one grand final in that period with the team that he had, I think uh, I think he could should have done a little bit better. But, I mean, look, he still did a great job and he won a premiership. You know, not many uh, coaches get to have that opportunity. So, um, And he deserves his place in the Hall of Fame through his, uh, through his history of what he's done. Um, sorry, my phone, everything's buzzing here. Um, well, yeah, I, I think I think what, what we've seen what we've seen over the years is just how hard it is to win a, an AFL premiership. Um, we know that the uh, the AFL system is built around 
um, evenness. Everyone's meant to win one flag every 18 years and all that. And uh, we've seen lots of sides, lots of very, very good football teams go premiershipless um, over the time. Certainly, you know, that, that period of uh, of Choco between sort of 01 and 03, like there's lots of clubs that have that story. And the doorstep of of a grand final premiership uh, times over the years just haven't been able to even set the coaches that can say the same thing. Um, change the events of the last two seasons, and we've seen win an unbelievable premiership. Anything, and uh, our club bullshit to get the job done. I'm very, very happy. In I thought his speech was wonderful, it was emotional, it was raw, and uh, it was hard not to have a tear in your eye watching him watching him get so emotional. Yep, I'm with you. And you can't, we can't judge him outside of his, uh, you know, his loyalty is to port, his passion is to port, his family's passion is to port. Uh, great porting family. And they've done a lot, a lot, obviously. It's an understatement. And he deserves his place in the Hall of Fame. And the last one, uh, big Bob McLean. We, we've spoken, I guess, about him for... Bob Clayton. Uh, hey? Clayton, Clayton, sorry. Um, spoken about him at length. You know, one of the club legends. You, know, you got any thoughts there? He's a legend of the club. He was through that through me. Uh, it was around the club. All that sort of thing. Beautiful Marion Wright. Made in five grand finals. Out on the premiership. Um, he was a player on and would uh, um, and very there's been yeah you're really chappy, choppy Macca I've sort of lost you quite a bit so um, I don't know if you can move or uh, reconnect to the internet or whatever but I'll uh, yeah someone's blaming Skype all I want to do why Macca's uh, getting his crap together is just say <laughs> I'm with Porsche that's right. The um, our show is much better than the uh, the Wednesday show. Come on, and everyone that everyone knows that deep down. Stop uh, trying to make them feel good, peoples. And what's going on here at Married but First Sight? Troy and Ashley are making out. And uh, all right, Macker, are you back? I'm going back on. Oh, you are you are off with the. Off with the aliens, Macca. You might want to just reboot. Um, you might just want to maybe reboot your computer, and uh, uh, we'll. Uh, I'll get you back in, perhaps, because uh, yeah, you're really choppy. But um, yeah, look, I'm with Craig Jones. Tex Wanganine will be an amazing player, and just the. I mean, the father son. Now that we've got so many players coming through. Um, is amazing, and uh, you know to see the legacy of some of these players coming through, I think will be great for our Port Adelaide history. And uh, Tex Wanganine is destined to be a Port Adelaide player, surely, and not an Essendon player. 
And I think I may have lost Maka. And no, here we go. He's trying to call back. Craig, how are we going? I'm very well, thanks. Oh, much better. Woohoo! I was just filling in, talking about Tex Wanganeen should be destined to be a port player over an Essendon player. Well, what we'll do, we'll continue on after the Hall of Fame and that little technical difficulty. What I had, this one, is our top five players we will gush over in this 2018 season. We've sort of spoken about a few of them already, but um, who are the five players that you would like to highlight and have a quick chat about as your top five players? And I'd love to hear um, people on the chat type in what they're all right uh, what their top five players are going to be. And even on Facebook, if you're listening to the replay of Big Footy, let us know what your top five gush players are going to be. Macca, who have you got number one? Number one, this isn't a gush. This is more of a flood, mate, and that's Riley Bonner. I think he's in for a massive season. Um, you, you look at what he's done the last two weeks. Uh, we really need someone like that down back who can run and create, as well as delivering top-notch football uh, to our forward line. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's number one for me. I think he's in for a big year. And uh, we hopefully that we see him more weeks than not. Uh, Dougal Howard has to be number two. Uh, again, I think he's in for a massive year. I think he's going to really make that uh, fullback spot his own. Uh, he's going to beat some really, really good players throughout the year. And uh, he's going to be an offensive threat as well because he's going to run off with the ball. And... Uh, he might actually be a smoky for an All-Australian. I know that uh, that might sound ridiculous, but uh, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, Jackie Watts, number three. Uh, enough said there. I think um, he's in for a massive year How as well. How many goals for Watts this year, you reckon? I'm going to say between 35 and 40. Oh, nice. I'll say. What about your mate, Triby? He mm. had him up on uh, Big Footy this week, pulling up the stats, pretty much showing that Westhoff... Dominates the Watts. Maybe. Maybe. Westhoff's had a very good career, and Watts has been disappointing to this point in time, hasn't he? But, um, look, I think uh, there might be games where Jack Watts doesn't hit the scoreboard all that much, and I still think he's going to have a huge impact um, because pretty much every time he gets the ball, something good sort of happens. So, so long as we can get the ball in his hands, then all good. Travis Boak, number four for me. I think, uh, look, I rated his year last year very highly. Uh, he looks super, super fit and uh, and ready to play. Um, and I think he's going to lead this team to glory this year. And Tommy Rockliffe, um, whoever thought he would be in a Port Adelaide jumper, not me. Uh, but can't wait to see him out there and, and see what he can do. That's a nice top five, but I have gone on a little different... Uh, track to you I reckon I'm going to go my number one obviously is going to be Dan the man Houston he is the favourite of my new halfback flank players now I just you know I love his shaved head I love what he does with the ball I love his courage Uh, I think he I think he's great and what's scary is both of us have got two young halfback flankers as our 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 one to watch at number one um I'm going to go Cluri. I mean, I've been very critical of Cluri, as you know, for you know the first four seasons that we were doing the show, pretty much. And and last year he came yep. of age, and uh, yeah, I'm really in, intrigued and interested to to see him develop and continue on as that great fullback that he's showing that he's going to be. Uh, Big Dicko is the uh, number three on the list. I think I think with uh, Watts and also Westhoff. There'll be a little bit less pressure on him. I know he didn't have great output last weekend, and I'm, 
also know you're very hypercritical of his freeze. Um, some of them is a little bit unlucky. Uh, you know, he's a big guy, and you know, big guys can be clumsy at times. Um, I've got Ollie Wines at number four for one for his on-field um, style and what he's going to do and influence, and the other for the off-field and what's going to happen with the contract signing. Unless you've got an inside scoop there, Macca, which I'd like to hear in a sec. And number five, I think it's going to be Chad the Man Wingard's year once again. Uh, yeah. He'll be back to all Australian form. He'll dominate and uh, and he'll have a real influence on the Port Adelaide side and us making and winning the grand final. Yeah, that all sounds great to me, mate. Uh, let me just say on Dixon, I loved his aggression on the weekend, but there comes a point where you've got to forget about hitting players and just concern yourself with the ball. But um, those first two attacks of the Crows players that he sort of ran into the turf, I thought was absolutely wonderful. The only, the only, the risky game for Dixon in doing that is you're increasing your odds of getting reported, right? Oh, absolutely. No doubt. And we don't want him being reported. Even no, though got a bit definitely of not. That's a lot. We want him in the side because he's going to be more of an influence in the side than he is being reported. So um, anyway, that's our, our top five. So what I want to do is go to some of the questions. Uh, our buddy Andre on the JLT, what were the differences in our setups between the two halves that had such an effect, particularly in the midfield? I don't think our midfield really set up all that different, to be honest. Um, as I said, I, I thought our midfield didn't really work out too well throughout the game, but I thought uh, we made a couple of changes down back, which really um, changed the course of the game. Uh, it allowed us to really uh, do a lot of intercept stuff, uh, which we weren't doing in the first half, um, changed a couple of players around. And um, I think what we saw... Maybe from the difference between the Crows game and the West Coast game, uh, we had 20 more intercept intercept disposals in the Crows game, and I think uh, that showed uh, a lot more because we um, we won the game. Yeah, again, it's it's just so hard. It's a preseason game. I mean, yeah. It... Well, maybe the Crows dropped off a little bit. I don't think they dropped off all that much. Uh, I like to think that it was just our defence um, went into beast mode and, and did what we showed uh, we did a lot of last year, and that was uh, win the ball back and, and keep the ball. Why is it year in, year out, we're always on the sour lemon end of the free kicks? And I'm not saying it's the AFL and the umpires against us, but I just feel like we don't play the game with the umpires like some of the other clubs do, and, and we end up getting shafted like the, there was little push in the backs that we we got nailed pinned for and do we not do enough work with the umpires in the pre-seasons every year uh, to build the relationship and to build the understanding of their interpretation of the rules but I feel like something is awry with our club and the umpiring department where they we're not in unity with what's going on well, I didn't think the umpiring was that bad on the weekend oh I'm not saying it's bad but I'm just saying that I feel like you know we seem to give away more freeze that we don't need to, and we always seem to be on the, the wrong end of the umpiring decision. And I'm not saying it's for the conspiracy. I, I just wonder if are we actually doing enough research um, to actually I, know I would what say, the umpiring interpretation is going to be? 
I would say that every supporter of every club would say the exact same thing that you just said. We always seem to get screwed over by the umpires. What's going on? We need a bloody talk to the every, every club's supporters would be saying that, I reckon. No, but I'm not saying we're getting screwed over. I'm saying that we seem to be sloppy with our execution of certain uh, techniques, which causes us to give away more free kicks than we need to. I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Come on, you have an answer for everything. All I right. try to. I'm with you on the midfield. I um, I think it was pretty poor in both halves, but it just looked better because we were winning in the second half. Yeah. Uh, Andre also wanted to know, the, does Rick talk about himself in the third person outside of the podcast? The Rick is good. Yeah, look, Macca does as well. So, uh, yep. Yeah, that Macca guy, he's pretty cool. Not as cool as the he Rick. Is. But yeah, he's pretty cool. Um, I'd love Chris... to meet Macca one day. But... Yeah, everyone wants to Maybe. meet Macca. Macca, you're my hero. Prison Bar Pete, can you discuss my buddy Darcy Burns Jones game, please? Well, we sort of did. We both sort said we got that. a lot of yeah. ball, and we didn't really see him get a lot of ball. Got a lot of ball. Didn't really notice that he got a lot of ball, but I'm not sure if that was the fact that he's now got a normal haircut and not the worst haircut on earth anymore, or. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I just wasn't watching all that intently. But, um, look, I'm glad he got a lot of the ball and he had a really good game. Um, and he he's probably one that's that might be on the edge. You know, as I said, we know, we know that we want to play a lot of back flankers. He probably didn't have the best game, uh, the best season last year. Um, so the fact that he's in some pretty decent form right now um, is a good thing. Craig, Craig Jones is going to make me bite here. Lynch is the golden boy of the AFL. I do not think that we can compare the impact level of Lynch and Robbie Gray. Robbie Gray's impact on McGovern was a lot, lot harder and forced McGovern off the field um, compared Mm -hmm. to the impact of Lynch's. Um, I guess they're similar in style, but I think the execution intent was a lot different. Yep, I think that's fair. So, uh, And I think we need to move on. The fact that Robbie Gray... Clipped him in the head, and the player had to leave the ground. Um, he, he didn't even come back on. He was screwed all after that. Um, yeah, it was definitely a suspension. There's no absolutely. doubt about that. And, I mean, look, I don't think he did it maliciously. And no. I can see he was protecting his body, and even McGovern sort of skewed his body a little bit, which sort of ended up causing the impact in the head. But it is what it is, and he's gone. Um, yep. Canadian Nemo... He seems like a new user to me, but you, you reckon you've met him. We all yep. love the upside of Marshall, but with Watts, Rockcliffe, Motlop all playing in the front half, can Marshall get a game in our best 22? Not right now, but I think he will by the end of the year. I think he'll be a mainstay by the end of the year. Hmm. And I don't think we can have a good... Talia's impact was low impact on Sam Gray as well. So I think that's why Talia got away with that as well. But look, the Crows play four key forwards, so why can't we? Yeah. And I guess the unique thing is that Marshall is fast. So he is. until he yes. bulks up he and loses some of that speed, um, we can probably get away with playing him. But I do like team body balance, and I wouldn't want us to be too top-heavy where we lose that uh, nimble aspect of... Um, playing in the AFL football. So I guess maybe until the weather 
comes in mid-May, maybe Marshall gets more opportunities than what we think. Um, Look, but he, he might be yeah. a surprise. It, it might well be that he is a surprise selection in round one. Like He did play the last, what, four or five games of last year. Um, it wouldn't be that odd if he is just if the club just continues his selection. Uh, we know that they rate him exceptionally highly. Um, I, don't, I don't think he'll play round one, but it certainly wouldn't be a shock if he is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting question. Does the sliding rule stop players from going lower and forces the head-high contact in some contests? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I, I think players always... Potentially. Players Potentially. Always I, I think that... It's not out of the question that that might have been what Robbie was thinking at the time because he, he could have had the chance to sort of dive on the ball and chose not to. And certainly if he did and McGovern goes over the top, he would have given away a free kick. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. I think that's got some merit for sure. Yeah, Craig Jones is posting a link, but I can't see it. Um, Needs Gravy would like to know, are you only back? Because married at first sight is finishing. Me? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who 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 do you want to stay? You're the, you're the fan of married at first sight, mate, not me. Yeah. Though I have been watching some of the YouTube highlights. Uh, it is amusing. Is Dina is Dina misogynist or is Dina a male legend? Dean is the biggest fuckwit I've ever seen in my oh. life. The fact that the fact that he looks exactly like his sister uh, makes me laugh even more. <laughs> that must be unfortunate for her then. <laughs> I think it's more unfortunate for him. That's the case. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Dean? Dean's just—he's uh, a tool. He's just playing the field. Do you reckon he? Do you reckon he's telling a few lies here and there? I, I just think he looks like an absolute. He would be if you're not mates with him then I reckon you would think he's the biggest dickhead on earth. He's that sort of guy. Yeah. I don't know. Go, Dean. I'm Team Dean, just for the mm-hmm. lol. Someone has to support him. Mm. I think Craig Jones is saying that uh, Koshi um, is ripping Jeff Kennett a new one. Must be over the overseas um, stuff. Bouget oh. wants to know, what is the pass mark for you, Macca, for Port Adelaide this year? Top four... Bugit. Bugay. Bugget. Bugget. <laughs> Top four in a finals run, grand final. What are you looking for? As long as we stay fit, it's got to be top four. Right. We've got a wonderful team. It's got depth. It's got star players all across the park. We, If we're not finishing top four, something's wrong. If we finish so seventh... We have to finish top four. If we finish seventh, who has to go? Does depends. someone have to go if we finish seventh? Well, it depends, probably. I think there'll be some changes made. It won't yeah. be Kenny. won't be Kenny. No, but do you yeah. think some assistance will go? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Janus, last question. What's our starting midfield rotation and why is it Ryder Wine... Oh, or I think he might have meant, is it Ryder Wines, Ebert and Rockcliffe? No, I think he's saying that that's his. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. sorry, mid- I missed it. I'm missing a comma. So yeah. our starting midfield. What's our starting midfield rotation and why? 
And he's saying, is it Ryder, Wines, Ebert and Rockcliffe? Ryder, Ebert, Wines, Rockcliffe. I think... I think that might be one too many of a similar type there. Uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to say without seeing Rockcliffe and where he fits into the side at the moment. Um, I still think Robbie Gray should start through the midfield. I think he's a wonderful midfield player, wonderful clearance winner. I think Wingard should probably play a bit through there. Maybe Wingard's part of that first string midfield group now. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go with uh, Janus's preferred setup there, because all of them are very, very good clearance players in their own right. Mate, I'd have Wines, Gray, and Sam Power Pepper. Yeah, I don't think Sammy will be part of our first string midfield. Look, um, I really like him up forward. I like him on a forward flank. And uh, maybe even someone, maybe even sort of starting across half-back, I'm not suggesting that he plays across half-back, but starting the centre bounce across half-back and then just running straight through the middle and uh, cleaning some people up and going after the ball that way. Similar to what we did in that final against Hawthorne in the last quarter where we had all those players lining up across half-back and we just sort of ran forward and, and kept winning the ball. I'd love to see Sammy Pepper. Do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would mm. be nice. Mm. And my friend, it's nine o'clock. Here we go. On the dot. Thank you very much for coming in. I hope Too everyone easy. enjoyed the show. Um, and uh, I know Craig's giving some goss about Tassie and you know Hawks North International Games. Koshi eighteen club presidents meeting tomorrow at AFL House. It's all on. And uh, my friend, missed you. Look forward to having you back soon. Might have to do one of those live simulcasts from America with you throughout the season. Have fun at Soto's and we'll, we'll speak soon. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for having me back on. Pleasure. Thank you, everyone. And we'll uh, see you next week. So, both threatening with every passing minute. Back to full forward. Off hands. Brown needed to trap it. Couldn't quite. Hassled out of it. Port Adelaide getting numbers. Wingard!